0: Nurses and Hypochondriacs, the podcast that brings nurse experts, patients, and hypochondriacs together to discuss hot topics in healthcare. And here is your host, Ercilia Pompilio. There's this series on HBO Max, it's called Gomorrah. It's a really cool series, one of my favorites. Um, I've only gotten up to season three, but it's really cool. One of the coolest things about it is there's this character and his name is Immortale. And they call him Immortale because he never dies. He's immortal and he just keeps living no matter what happens. But unfortunately, not all of us are like immortale. Eventually, we're all going to die. I mean, I'm sure immortale is probably going to die too, but who knows? I mean, I didn't watch the whole series of Gomorrah until the end. It's There's way too much media going on these days. But anyway, on this episode of Nurses and Hypochondriacs, we're going to talk about death because we are not all immortale. I don't know if we'd ever want to be. My guest today is hospice nurse Julie from TikTok. She is on fire on TikTok. Anyway, you won't want to miss this episode. It's super duper fun. This episode was brought to you by Rogue Nurse Media and The Well-Written Nurse, empowering nurses and patients to tell their stories. Welcome to Nurses and Hypochondriacs, Hospice Nurse Julie. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for having me. How are you doing? <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm doing great. Thank you for coming on. Um, I have loved watching your TikTok videos and also your Instagram stuff. I, I think it's pretty amazing. I, I mean, and um, you have such a great personality as well, because talking about death is difficult, you know, um, and, and I think you have to approach it through a different perspective. So tell us about yourself. How did you get into doing the TikTok videos? How'd you get into hospice nursing? What were you doing before?
1: Yeah, so I've been a nurse for about 14 years. Um, I need to like really look into that because it could be longer now. I've been saying that for a long time now. So I'm like, wait a minute, is it really 14 years? Anyway, about 14 years. And before hospice nursing, I was an ICU nurse. Uh, for many years, about and about nine. And, um, you know, it, during that time as an ICU nurse, I moved around a lot to different ICUs just to t- sort of see what I really liked because I was getting really burnt out. So I was a uh, surgical ICU nurse, a medical ICU nurse, you know, cardiac trauma. I did some teaching things, you know, I kind of like, throughout those nine years, I really tried to find my way to what I was really liking. Cause I, cause I was 10, I kept getting burnt out every couple yeah. of years. And, um, being an ICU nurse helped me see how there, there was just so much, people always think hospice is depressing, but in the ICU, to me, there was so much suffering and not like pain, but like just suffering from the family and the patient just laying it just, to me, it was like, that was way more depressing than being a hospice nurse, now that I'm a hospice nurse. But it did make me passionate about learning how to talk about death and dying and talk about life goals, talk about end goals, you know, like where are we going to go from here versus just the day-to-day little minuscule things we would focus on in the ICU, you know, someone's creatinine numbers or like what's their you know, this minuscule lab work that I knew it was a much bigger conversation than like certain lab numbers. You know, we needed to talk to families and patients about what was truly going to be the outcome. And we didn't do that very often. Um, uh, So it made me passionate about learning how to do that and, 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 and trying to do that in the ICU, and there are definitely some people and some physicians who are better than others that were also on board with me when I would start talking about, hey, are we going to have a family meeting? Can we talk about end of life with this with this patient? We all know they're likely going to die here, so are we going to talk about this? And I find that just being that one person to talk about it, uh, it, it got the ball rolling. It was like I thought I was going to meet all this resistance, then really I realized, oh. Um, everyone agrees no one just knew how to bring it up you know love that um yeah and anyway so that got me into thinking maybe I should go into hospice and then I eventually did uh people always ask like how do you do it I you know you know how you just get so sick of something eventually you just do it that's right. all so I just did it and all the places I applied for all said you needed hospice hospice experience I didn't have any I just applied anyway And in the interview, I told him why I was passionate about trying to become a hospice nurse. And I got hired. So, um, so now I've been doing that for the past five years and it's really been amazing. And then after just recently with the TikTok things, I only started TikTok probably seven months ago, maybe seven, eight months ago. And, um, I had just been dealing with a lot of my friends dealing with their parents' death and, um, I would just talk to them like I would talk to any of my families or patients and I would see the looks on their faces of like surprised by the things I knew and like stuff. And then I realized, oh, people don't know about death and dying. You forget that like people on the street don't know what you know because you're around it all the time. Mm-hmm. So that's what got me into thinking I should start a podcast is what I originally thought. And uh, I got a microphone and everything. And then I was like, this is a lot of work. And I don't know how to edit anything. I don't know what I'm doing. And I don't know if I really want to do this. Um, I went home to see my nieces, who are 11 and 12. And they were on TikTok doing dances. And I really blew it off and kind of like joked with them and made fun of, you know, just teasing them about how silly this is. And I was on their TikTok doing dances with them. So then they wanted me to get TikTok so I could watch their TikToks. Um, and then I actually started watching TikToks and I was like, this is amazing. I love TikTok. <laughs> and I saw other nurses and, you know, I was just there. It's not just all dances, is what I found. So I thought, screw it. I'm just going to make videos and post them and see what happens. And by the fourth day, one of my videos took off and it's really been happening ever since. And I think people were just, I just, it just happened to be the right place, right time. And people were ready to hear what I had to say. And here we are. I love it.
0: I know. I love it. So perfect. Yeah. And, and like I said, you have such a great personality, uh, talking about death and that's what drew me to you at first. I was like, Oh, let, let me look at this nurse and, and you were just like fun and carefree about it. And, um, you know, and I think there was even some joking, like about, um, maybe ghosts or the other side or something. I think that's what I had caught. And, um, and it was great. I was like, my God, she's great. I have to have her on. Um, so yeah, that's super cool. So you blew up on TikTok, and one of the reasons why you started the conversation is because people do not normalize death, and, and I get that. I mean, people don't think death is normal. I mean, when we hit the pandemic wave, everybody's like, oh, my God, people are dying. I go, newsflash, people die all the time. Yeah, <laughs> It's like the circle of life. I mean, you know, it's like you're not going to be immortal. You're, you're not a what, a, what is it? I was watching this movie last night, Highlander. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are immortal until they chop off their heads. It's pretty oh, crazy. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> it's
0: a really old movie from like the 1980s, I think, and um, and it, it, it was really interesting. And I, I'm like, I think people just think they're immortal, you know, which keeps them stuck in this life that they're just going through, like sleepwalking, you know, in a way, until they're like, oh shit, I'm dying. You know, I got to live my life
1: now or, well, I also think it's like, oh shit, I'm dying. And then they're really scared because they haven't thought about it. And then they refuse to acknowledge it because if they acknowledge it, it's going to happen. And then they end up suffering like crazy. I've seen it time and time again. Oh my God. So let's talk about that. So explain that. So, and I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, no, no. Uh, That's, that's all, that's, that's awesome. I love it. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love it. But this is, you know, this is all a conversation. So go
1: for it. It's like, I think people will say they know they're going to die, but it's something about like this whole idea of like hush, hushing it. Like most people, even when they mention like, um, they'll drop their voice a little bit, you know, like (laughs) even healthcare workers. I, I wasn't good at this in the ICU. Like, I didn't know I'd be like, I'd like take the the loved one aside and be like, we don't think he's going to make it, you know, like whisper. And it's like, what are we doing? I, I get it. We're so not used to talking about it. It's such right. a sensitive topic that we turn it into this secret. <laughs> we like hush, hush it. Or if, or if you end up being lucky enough to live till you're elderly and like grandma's dying, you like put her in the side room. Don't go in there. Don't bother grandma don't let any of the kids see grandma dying. Like, and this isn't everybody, but majority of people, it's like, that they is what's perpetuating this problem. And then, and so like, even my own, my mom, my, my own parents, right. Like they, uh, since I've had this success or whatever you want to call it on social media, you know, like they're kind of forced to look at it cause I'm their daughter <laughs> and and they want to see it. But also they they too are like I mean do we really need to talk about this Do we really need to talk about this all day long I don't know and and I'm like here is the thing what I've what what I have learned and witnessed time and time again is people who are willing to admit and accept that they're dying and talk about it die will live more peacefully and more fulfilled and die more peacefully Mm -hmm. people who are not live less and and die less peaceful because it's like, they've never had that moment of like surrender or acceptance where they're just free. Right. Um, and I know it's hard to do, but that's why I'm pushing. That's why, that's why I want to like push. I know it's hard, but eventually it won't be. And the more people realize that uh, I feel like the less suffering they will be because denying it doesn't mean it's not going to happen.
0: And uh, you had, a video on instagram recently where this um i guess she was a nurse uh, and she was talking about how she had to tell her husband he was dying like the yeah. doctors told her and she had to tell him yeah. i i mean how heartbreaking is that and it's just okay. like how do you t- I, I had my god sister did that her husband was dying you know very young like in their 30s and mm-hmm. he had some kind of leukemia and he was passing and she said it was the most traumatizing thing she'd ever had to go through with him, you know, cause here they were a young couple. They had known each other in high school and all of a sudden her husband's dying,
1: mm-hmm. you
0: know, and she really did a lot for him and where his mother was in denial that, he yes. was passing, you know, uh, which I think was so interesting. And, I had um, I had a, a, a nurse practitioner precept with me uh, in the PEDS clinic and she worked at uh, the children's hospital in bone marrow transplant or um, oncology, I guess. And she told me, she goes, you wouldn't believe how many parents come in. Do not tell their children that they're dying and do not tell their children that you have cancer. And they tell the nurses don't tell them that they have cancer. And she's like, Oh yes, but they're here. They're getting toxic chemicals pumped into them and they're going to lose their hair. You know? So they just said, Oh, they're just here for a procedure. And I was like, no. And when I worked at children's in surgical admitting, it was the same thing. Parents would come in and say, don't tell my kid they're going through surgery. And we have all these great people in place. Like we had child life, uh, people who would talk to the kids and it, and it was really great. I mean, kids accept death a a little bit more differently than adults do. Um, but yeah, do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Wow. Well, you you can see my face. Like we are on camera here and I'm, well, one, I have no experience with pediatric anything as a nurse, but hearing that is like, Wow. You know, I just not wow in a judgment way. Not, I'm not judging. I, I, I get why people, I get why people don't want to tell people, right? It's scary. They, they're think they trying to protect them. It's because they love them so much. So I, I'm not like saying it in a judgmental way. It's just more of a, wow, how do you, um, I don't think that's the answer. Not telling them, uh, but like you said, I mean, working in a, ho- a children's hospital, there are people in place that know how to talk to children about what's going on. And children are way more intuitive and way more intelligent than we think they are. So they know what exactly. They might not have the what's words. Up. Yeah, they might not have the words. <laughs> I have cancer, but they right. know there's something going on. They know mom and dad are scared. They know this is serious. They can they can feel all of that. Uh, I'm sure you know. Um, I don't have any experience with that, but man, that has to be hard. And it has to be hard to really navigate as a healthcare worker. But also, I still think they should tell them for sure, but I don't know. Again, I don't have any experience, but, but also with
0: like older people, like the grandma, don't tell grandma she's dying. I, know. I, I mean, so
1: how do you, how do you deal with that? Oh, if they're alert and oriented, I say, I'm going to tell them. <laughs> I you. mean, I say it, I say it compassionately, you know, I, I don't know. I don't just like, get an attitude, but I definitely say, oh, you know, I'm so I'm so sorry. But if if so and so if they're alert and oriented and they're signing their own paperwork for hospice, like I I will tell them that they're going on hospice and I'll explain why. You know, and I'll and uh you now the one time I won't is if they really aren't alert and oriented and they have dementia and they're going to forget and like they're not going to fully comprehend what's happening. Then I will not say anything if the family doesn't want me to. Um uh, because um, they're the ones that have to deal with this person on a day-to-day basis. There's already like, you know, usually, um, baseline agitation and paranoia and like things going on. So that's the one time I usually won't, but if someone's alert and oriented and can fully understand what's happening, I will definitely tell them, even if the, even if their loved ones say don't, it's not up to them. Yeah. In my opinion. I agree. It, it's just like
0: um, I—I've known so many people where they didn't know that they were dying, yeah. and it's just like for me, on a soul perspective, I'm pretty out there, pretty woo-woo. Uh, I mean, I've done a lot of shamanic practice, and I do shamanic journeys and stuff like that. So it's like for me, it's like now that soul is lost. That soul is stuck on the other side, like or could be like, hey, I'm in the in between. You know, I
1: don't know where I am. You know. <laughs> like, what do I do now? (laughs) Interesting too, is maybe I won't flat out like what I'll do sometimes with the family there, just so they can see what's going on. I'll ask the person who's alert and oriented. What do you think is, you know, what's your, what do you know? Like, how, um, how do I say it? I say it's really specific. I say, um, tell me what's going on with you. Like, what do you think is happening with your body? And usually, I mean, I'm saying like nine times out of 10, they're like, I'm dying. I love that. And then the family gets to hear that, oh, she knows more than we think she does. And, you know, so, and if they don't, that's, then I usually say something like, well, this is what I, then I give my, I say my expert, like I'll say, you know, I've been a nurse for 14 years. I've been in ICU. nurse for a bunch of years. I've seen people like you with ear disease in the ICU. I've seen on a hospice. This is what I see by looking at you and knowing what's been going on with you. This is what I see. And then that's when I go into, uh, at the end of life talk. And I'm, again, most times people are like, yeah, I can kind of tell that, you know, like, yeah, I know that's been going on. Yeah. I can feel that I'm really tired or And then having the family present during that moment kind of gives them permission, like, oh, okay, um, they can handle this more than we think they can. Every once in a while, there's that outliner where they're pissed and doesn't go well. I mean, every once in a while, I don't, it's never, it's not always perfect, but very, very rarely do I run into that.
0: And have you had like people just holding on and waiting either for other family members to come by? You know, and then and then dying after that family, I'm getting goosebumps dying after that family member like comes by, you know, that happened to my mother um, years ago, my grandfather was dying her father, and he did not die until we all saw him and then he died, you know, my mom was not speaking to her father and stuff. So it was not a good situation, but, um, you know, she went, paid her last respects and took us as children, you know, and then literally the next day he was gone. So,
1: yeah, that's, I do a whole series of like phenomena that happens at the end of life that we as healthcare providers, cause my page is meant to be very, you know, scientific, like, um, biological, physiological, just like facts about death and dying. However, there are different things that happen at the end of life that we as healthcare providers cannot explain. And, but we see it enough that we actually educate about it because we see it so, so often. It's not just me. It's like anyone who works in hospice would, or end of life would say this. Um, and that's one of the phenomena, which is like people will hold on. Um, there's three different things they do. And I categorize it all in the same group. They either hold on and wait until everyone's there they wait until everyone's gone. So sometimes people will be holding vigil, to all be around the bed for hours. And then slowly, but surely each one's like, I need to go shower. I need to go get coffee. I need to go eat. Everyone leaves and then they die. And I always try to tell people that like, and then a lot of times that they're left with guilt. We left and then they died. And I think, well, no, they were waiting for everyone to get the hell out for some reason. So they could, they wanted to die alone. And then the the last thing, which is like, even the craziest to me is people like deciding when they're going to die.
0: What do you mean? Uh, talk about the deciding when you're going to die. Cause well, I do have a story. They'll say crazy stuff.
1: Like I want to, I'm going to live until I see my daughter graduate until I hit a hundred. I'm going to, so like they'll wait till those big milestones and you're right. thinking to yourself, oh man, you're not going to make it. Or so, sometimes it is like, maybe you could, but a lot of times you're like, looking. This person being like, you're gonna because you can kind of tell when they're going like how soon it's going to be. Right. Um, there's definitely been times where I've thought, I don't think so, but I don't say I don't I don't say that's not my place to like tell someone you know uh, what like not, so I just sort of said like okay we'll we'll see how it goes let's take it day by day. Right. And uh, but they will they'll they'll make it and they'll die maybe the next day or two days later. And then I've even had people be like, I'm tired. I'm going tonight. I'm not, I'm not doing this. And like, I'll look at them thinking like, no, you're not going to die tonight. Cause you're still walking and talking and eating and doing all the things. Right. So, and then they still do. And then they'll die. I had once one lady, do you want me to tell a story or no? I yeah, mean, I go ahead. Yeah. Go for it. It's all about stories. Who, I had this lady who she, she lived with a caregiver. She had a 24 hour caregiver who had been there for years and then she had a son who had, who was uh, mentally like handicapped. So the caregiver took care of her and her son. And, um, uh, this woman, you know, she was eligible for hospice, but she was definitely someone who was like a little borderline. Like she was still walking. She was still eating. Like she wasn't super, um, like, wasn't like death was imminent, you know? And I had signed her up and then, um, She was saying how she was really tired, and she thought she was going to die, and blah blah blah. And I was talking to her about like, yes, you, you know, you probably will die soon-ish, but I wouldn't say it's like imminent. I say you're in the months range at least, you know. And she's like, no, and she was like annoyed by it. Anyway, I leave, and a week later, I had to go back to her house to do a death visit Uh to to make sure she was dead, right? And I thought, wow, crazy. She was saying whatever. So I get there. And the caregiver, I was like, I'm surprised by this. And she was like, Julie, last night, she was totally fine. We made muffins. We had a great night together. Um, she laid down. She's usually not very sentimental. She was kind of like rough around the edges, but she would uh. hold the caregiver over and like gave her a hug and started being like, thank you so much for caring for Aww. me. I love you. Please take care of my son. Um, you know, just thank you so much for everything you've ever done, you've done for me. And she's, she said, I was like kind of laughing and pushing off being like, what are you talking about? You're not going anywhere. And she was like, no, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm leaving. And she was like, uh, and she was like, stop. No, you're not. You know? And then she was like, call my son in here. She called her son in there. She, she hugged him and said something in his ear. She wasn't sure what she said, but she said something to him. And that was that. And she was like, okay, I'm going to bed. Um, you know, thank you for everything. I love you. Good night dead the next day. Wow.
0: I love it. I know. Yeah. I mean, I I have a couple of stories to share about that. First of all, my dad, my dad is, oh, he's going to be 87 now. So when he was 80, he had a couple of friends that he grew up with in Italy and one was here in the States and one was still in Italy his two childhood friends died right at 80. And okay. so he was and like months apart from each other, right? So he was kind of somber and he, and I was like sitting um at their home um by the pool and I was doing some writing and he comes over and he sits down next to me and he goes like this. He goes, I think I'm gonna live another 10 years. He goes, I think I'm gonna live until I'm 90. And he gets up and he walks out. And I go, wait a minute, did you have a death pact with your chat with your friends? Because I think that's a little bit weird that both of your childhood friends died at 80 months apart, you know, um, of course, both of them were smokers, you know, not too healthy. My dad's never been a smoker. doesn't really drink very much, you know, um, but it was a very interesting phenomenon, you know? (laughs) So that's one. I was in Italy. Um, I think this was in 2009 and my cousin's, um, grandmother she was pretty elderly at the time I think she was in her 90s and she was a very fun woman like very fun very happy you know um and uh, like I remember she was she was washing my g-string underwear and I was like that's kind of creepy like putting them out you know, on, on the, the clothes hanger, you know, um, on the balcony. Yes. And so I went to my cousin, and I was like, um, it's a little bit creepy to have, you know, and she's like, she has nothing to do. It's fine. She's fine with it. So she would always come and just, and this happens to me a lot. She was always coming and sitting next to me and talking to me and telling me these stories where her grandkids were like, leave her alone, leave our cousin. Yeah. Alone. You
1: know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah
0: so one day I think it was just her and I and um she goes like this she goes when I die I don't want people to be sad she's like I don't want to die in a bed she's like there's gonna be a big party for me and then I'm gonna die well about a year later (laughs) on her I don't know if it was her 90th birthday or 90 something birthday or what they had this big party for her right and they were bringing out the cake and she strokes out
1: (laughs) oh my god they
0: told me what happened I immediately started laughing and I go (laughs) she told me she was gonna die that way you know and her daughter was like Oh, she could have at least waited until we the
1: but I thought, did it they let the her sing. die right there, or did they like do a bunch of stuff? Do you I, know don't, what I, mean? I, I don't know the details, all I know yeah. is they
0: told me that she had a stroke and she was dead. Oh you know my so? god, <laughs> but it was the wildest. I just started laughing, I was like, that is a trip. she told like and this happens a lot it probably happens to you too like where people will tell you the strangest things you know and like I said I study the paranormal I do shamanic stuff so it's very common for me and the more I learn and study the more I get comfortable with what's going on with the other side you know and um yeah but these stories are are amazing I was on a paranormal podcast telling ghost stories and one of the questions this woman brought up which I didn't know she asked me so I'm gonna ask you because this Mm -hmm. is your area she said do people have visions of like demons or like Lucifer coming to get them and they get really scared and they're like, no, I don't want to go. You know, have you ever had those experiences or, or there's also the experiences of um, maybe a couple of days before a person dies, they'll start seeing dead relatives around
1: them. Well, that's one of the main phenomenons that I see most of the time and where it's actually in like educational books where we actually tell people this is a normal thing. And as a healthcare provider, it's usually about a month before they die, they start seeing that. So that that's actually something where when someone starts telling me like, I've seen, um, because they're usually pretty lucid. And they'll say like, my brother came to see me, um, or I'm having dreams. They don't have to be dreams. They can be like real visions of people that they see. Um, We call it visioning. And it's usually about a month to a few weeks before they die, they start seeing that every once in a while, it's like right before they die. But and it's usually about a month or three weeks and it's usually good and it's usually comforting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't have any stories of like evil things. Um, I can't say it doesn't happen. I have no idea. I don't have any stories about that. Thank God. I don't want to know any yeah. stories like that. <laughs> I actually yeah. don't really. I mean, that's my. this is now I'm getting into like my personal beliefs, but personally I don't, I don't think there's evil stuff coming to get anybody, but Again, my own person that's that's just my personal belief. But in general, as far as like the visioning goes, that definitely happens. I mean, I see it countless, countless, countless times. Countless. I've lost track. That's how often.
0: Yeah, that that's pretty. I mean, that phenomenon is always so interesting to me. Yeah. Um, Another thing I just want to talk a little bit about is these either deathbed confessions, regrets that people have. Or last wishes. Like I want to do a movie, a documentary called Last Wish, because we, um, you know, you always see that in kids with um, uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation. You know, they'll do some something fun and take them somewhere fun before they die, um, before children die. But uh, adults really don't have that. And and it's interesting these wishes that the kids put in are pretty magical, and you know, they're they're pretty. Out there, in, in big, but usually wishes that adults have are very simple. Like I was reading an article where this young girl was dying; she was in hospice, and all she wanted was her favorite milkshake, which was in another state. So people uh. got back to her before she died. And we did another episode on um, death and dying where we had a hospice nurse on, and she said that um, she made a movie uh, with the Friday the Thirteenth guy. Um, I believe, yeah, uh, the director. So they made like a little hospice movie, and she had met him at a horror uh, convention, right? And so <laughs> she had, it, so she had the story of this guy, and it was a great story. And he was a ballerina, but he was always um, ousted. Like not accepted by his family, but he had gotten all these awards. He had been to see the president and and he was a pretty phenomenal person, but he was never accepted by his family because he was a gay man. So he was dying of like pancreatic cancer and all he wanted was an ice cream before he left. That was his last wish. And there was also, um, I I don't know if you've ever seen this, where it was a company, I guess they were in Sweden or I forget where, and they were uh, a company of ambulance drivers and they would take people to have their last wish. Like one guy wanted just to see the ocean. Another person was a um, zookeeper and just wanted to see the giraffe he took care of. Uh, And so they took pictures of these things. It was really, really beautiful uh and and stuff so, so I, I was like one of my projects that i have um which i think is very interesting is like what are some last wishes people have
1: yeah before they die so as far as okay so i love when people talk about death i know we're not talking about this but i'll get to what we're talking about but yeah. um so the deathbed confessions i wish First off that people would tell me death, get bed confessions. I have no good, like I murdered my dad, <laughs> not that I wanted to murder their dad, but it would be so amazing to be like the person they tell all yeah. this stuff to it has not happened to me. I'm still waiting on this. Um, but as in regrets, I mean, I feel like the main, the main things people talk about is not appreciating health when they had it. Wow. Right. Cause it's like, you don't know how nice it is to be able to feel good um, mm-hmm. on a daily basis until you don't feel good, you know? And so they didn't, they would talk about that. They always talk about not working so much um, mm-hmm. and being with family. I feel like it simplifies when like you're dying, you, you like the things that you think are important just go away. And then you realize, what is really important. And it's different for everybody, but it's usually family and time and health. Yeah. Um and last wishes, I'm trying to think about specific things that we um I feel like most people with their their last wishes to have a lot of the last wishes that families done for people are getting everybody together. They always want to have like yeah, family together. Um, or going to, um, we have, we, I'm in Los Angeles. So a lot of people, um, are from Mexico. So they'll want to go. Um, we've done a lot of things with our hospice, different hospice companies I've worked with where we transfer people to where they really want to die. You know, they don't want to die in Los Angeles where they're not from. They want to die in Mexico or they want to die, um, in Colorado with their sister. And so we'll, we'll do a whole transfer from hospice to hospice, or they'll want to go on one last vacation. So we'll find um, a hospice in that location and then they can be transferred for that five days or whatever to that hospice. So they can still have things they need or something comes up. They can um, have a hospice company involved. So those are the things that stand out, but nothing, I don't have anything that stands out as like, um, something really great yeah you know like some story and these are all very general
0: yeah there was a, a feed um that I was reading I forget on Facebook I forget which one it was but they were talking about these deathbed confessions and they were intense like well, some of I these people about, yeah some of these people were like yeah I um uh, murdered this person da, 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 I just had to tell you and you're just like what <laughs> And I lost that feed I can't find it I have to because I, I saved it but I have to find it because it's so good I was like these stories are genius you know and they're so true because you can't make that up but there were hundreds of these types of stories that people were would tell nurses That's I mean cool. nurses are kind of like priests in a way yeah you know people tell you the darndest things yes
1: I had I read an um I did a video once about reading an article about deathbed confessions and one of them again I didn't do any like sourcing like I have no clue if these are real just to be honest. (laughs) I just thought they were interesting stories. But one was that like they were twins and the one twin died, but the brother pretended to be him when he came home from like they died at the they they were both at the war at the war i don't even know what war it is but one of the wars uh-huh. a long, long time ago not like desert storm but like you know world War two yeah yeah like and the twin died like one of the twins had like a wife and a family and the other one didn't the twin died but he pretended it was him came back and pretended and and just took over as that twin who had the family and wife the wife and family and didn't tell anybody
0: I love that. Oh my mm-hmm. God, what a great story. Is that is that real? I don't know, but
1: I remember reading it. Yeah, it's like, like <laughs> on his deathbed, he like confessed that he was the other brother who everyone thought was dead. Does that, make, wow. is that making sense? Do you know yeah. What I mean? yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But that's a, that's such a great story. I mean, people's lives are very interesting once you start looking at them. You know, they're, they're better than, it, you know, they have that movie, Stranger Than Fiction. It's like, sometimes your life is, much more interesting. And, and some people don't talk about it. Like I've gone to, um, a few eulogies where, uh, people, you hear people talking, they're like, well, I didn't know that about that person. <laughs> so, no. You know, I, I mean, um, it, it's all very interesting. Um, like my mother's cousin just died recently, uh, in December and, um, there was a lot of drama going <laughs> on at that funeral. And I was just like, wow, this is kind of like a Seinfeld episode. I'm just going to sit and take it all in. It was pretty hilarious, you oh, know? God. And um, it wasn't it was, it wasn't very sad, but I was just like, I can't believe these people are doing this, you know? Uh-huh. It was like the, this woman's boy, I mean, she was in her 60s. She died of breast cancer, but her boyfriend didn't even cut. She was living with this guy for years. He didn't even come to her funeral. And I was <laughs> it was so sad you I do mean, I mean to laugh about it but it was just and they were talking about it there they're like I can't believe you didn't come and oh, wow. the, the cousin that put everything together she was like this is a disaster this is and I was like I thought it was going pretty <laughs> like, I, okay. <laughs> you know. So, and you can hear this as the the coffin's going down the one cousin it's like this is all a disaster and I was just like oh my god I was <laughs> sitting there like this is like I was like you know because I'm the writer I'm like I gotta take that. yeah <laughs> <laughs> great scene in something you know stuff like that that's where scenes come from people's lives are yeah pretty pretty interesting so um So anything else you'd love to add? I mean, I've totally loved this conversation and how can we normalize death moving forward? I mean, back in the olden days, people used to die in their homes. You know, they used to have the coffin there. Um, Death was normal. It wasn't until the hospital systems came in that they knew it was a moneymaker. So they brought that, you know, they changed the whole system. So having a person die in your home is weird. I mean, I remember when I was about 12 or 13 going to Italy and and seeing a coffin in someone's home and I was like, what the?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) And they, you know, when you're going there to pay your last respects and people will anoint them with oil or whatever happens, you know, so so it's all the death rituals are all very, very interesting. But how can we normalize death so that it is more accepted in our society?
1: Um, I think we just need to change, like, and it's probably going to be slow, but I feel like it's starting. I mean, there's, there, um, there's a reason why I like, I feel like there's a reason why I suddenly have, it does feel sudden, like 700,000 followers on TikTok. People yeah. are willing to talk about it and learn about it. And I think Um, I don't know if it's because of the, I don't know if it's because of the pandemic because I didn't, I I started it way after the pandemic started, but I don't know if there's just been a shift in like people's perceptions and ability to want to discuss this or, or what, but I do think, how do we normalize it? We just start, we just one by one start having, like I said, when I was in the ICU and I would just suddenly, I would just bring up the topic of like, are we going to have a family meeting about talking about end of life goals? And then that, and I never got any resistance. People were like, oh yeah, you're right. Of course. So I think it's like each one of us just doing our part to start openly talking about what we would want. Like I always say, if your parents are still alive, you need to ask them what they want. you know, like, do they want to be resuscitated? Do do they want a feeding tube if they can't eat anymore? Do they want, you know, like, um, what do they want their funeral to look like? Do they want to be buried? Do they want to be cremated? And if they don't know how to start those conversations, start by saying what you want. You start saying, this is what I want. I want people to know this about me. Hopefully that will start the conversation. So then you could say, what do you, you know, you could ask them. So now that you know what I want, what do you want? Right. Oh, I love that. We need to all start knowing that about each other. So we don't have to, because th- if we don't, then we have to make these super difficult decisions about turning off machines. Or not having the procedure to get the the feeding tube, or you know, um, it's easier to make those decisions when you already know what the person wants. So, right, that's my two cents. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, where can people find you on Instagram, TikTok, and your website? So, I'm at at Hospice Nurse Julie on both Instagram and TikTok and YouTube. Um, I don't have a web. I, I've actually bought all of the hospice nurse Julie websites. So I'm, I'm going to eventually have someone make one for me, but awesome. right now I'm right now I actually am really, really busy. So I don't have time to, to do any of that, but I'm on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube. Um, and it's been really fun. let awesome. will see where Thank this goes. So yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Thank you. And, uh, you know, we'll be on the journey with you. So awesome. Yeah. Thank you nurses and hypochondriacs till next time. I'm sure you're figuring out that you're not Immortale, and neither is the Nurses and Hypochondriacs podcast. We'd love it if you go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating. And while you're at it, go ahead and throw us some bucks. At the end of our show notes, click onto PayPal and give us a donation. Even $1 helps support our mission to empower nurses and patients to tell their stories thanks for listening